fighting for freedom every day. Republicans right now, the conservatives, which unfortunately, this is what we have to do every time, even after a vote where people are sick and tired of the establishment, they're sick and tired of the squeezy, middle-of-the-road, squishy kind of Republican rhinos, and we vote conservatives in, then we have to fight tooth and nail in D.C. to actually be heard within the Republican Party. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into the program, man. You finally made it. It may seem like it's been a long week, but I promise you it has not been. We did have 4th of July Independence Day celebrations on Tuesday. Which means hopefully you had a couple of days off, but it still feels like it's been a full five-day week. But you're a, you're here. It's a Friday. You can celebrate. You scream ice cream. We all scream for ice cream. Just maybe not Ben and Jerry's ice cream, but ice cream nonetheless. Welcome into the program. What's up? Happy Friday to you. Broadcasting live out of the heart of the nation here in Wichita, Kansas on our flagship radio station. We are all over the country. Multiple radio stations, TV, live streaming, and podcasting. However you watch or listen to the show, it's always great to have you along for the ride. Your Millennial General reporting for duty like we do every single day. Big show lined up today, even for a Friday, to recap your week for you. As bottom of the hour, going to have an interesting conversation. And I'm not sure what direction this is going to go, but I am intrigued by it and we will have some fun with it. Mattson Browning, along with his wife, potentially Tawny Browning, will also be joining us. Uh, authors of the book The Hate Next Door is for 25 years they went undercover with a white supremacist organization and what they've learned undercover with hate groups and the white supremacy movement in the nation. Now, I say that uh, with, like I said, where I'm curious on where the conversation is going to go because as the Joe Biden administration has said that this is the quote-unquote most dangerous domestic terrorist organization on the face of the earth and has tried to lump in white supremacy with MAGA crowds, with Republicans, with Donald Trump. I'm curious if that's the direction this is going to go with someone who's been undercover for the last 25 years. So I'm intrigued and I'm excited to talk about that coming up at the bottom of the hour regarding hate speech, identity politics, and white supremacy because the identity politics, as we've said so many times on this program, is literally the worst thing on the face of the earth and identity politics is the dumbest conversation on the face of the earth because, well, it's really a stupid if people literally just judge someone based on skin color. It makes no sense whatsoever, but that's the world that we live in today. So we'll get to that here coming up at the bottom of the hour. It is the 4th of July weekend recap, which means maybe some people may be firing off the last minute fireworks tonight or this weekend across the nation to get rid of the last little bit that you haven't shot off. In which case, have fun, have at it, and do your thing, man. As long as you follow your local city guidelines. I say that with my air quotes for my radio listeners. And uh, I'm starting to realize that more and more businesses are making really dumb decisions based on their wokeness. We made the joke about Ben and Jerry's just a minute or so ago because they have been the latest on the bandwagon for how terrible America is, how bad we are, and how we should uh, give reparations. We had Cori Bush that openly said that we need to ask for reparations because of the 4th of July being for only for white people and only for landowners, only for the elites, only for the white rich person that loves slaves, when obviously that was not the case at all in any way, shape, or form. And if you go back to the original uh, original first draft of the Declaration of Independence, it had the major grievance of slavery and the fact the king continued to try to promote slavery in the new land like the United States, and that during the potential grievances that the king was advocating for the slave to rise up against the quote-unquote slave owners and the revolutionists 
as opposed to the king who is encouraging said behavior because that's how luna that's how crazy these individuals are. So Cory Bush uh, has a massive lack and gap in understanding of history and what the real world is, which we're starting to realize that those that don't understand truth, don't understand reality, don't understand actual history. They either put the blinders on and don't want to know, or they're completely ignorant about the issues. And more and more, that seems to be the case. Now, remember that just like the old cycle of the good times create weak men, weak men create hard times, hard times create hard men, hard men create good times, and the whole cycle goes on. There's another one with the adage of if uh, you don't understand something, the lack of understanding creates ignorance. The ignorance creates the fear. The fear creates the hatred. The hatred creates the division. The division creates the violence. And it goes on down the road until we continue to despise each other because we don't understand one another. We don't understand one's mindset or culture or lifestyle or language. And when we don't understand it, then we get the entire history of humankind where we come across a new uh, group of individuals that speak a different language, practice a different religion, and have a different skin color. And all of a sudden, they are of the devil, and they're demonic, and they're evil, and they have weird practices, and we don't like them, and we either need to convert them or we need to kill them. And that, <laughs> that's been the history of numerous different cultures across the globe since the beginning of mankind. And it's really frustrating and it's really annoying because, again, that's just a weird mindset to look at that we're right, they're wrong, and everybody else is evil unless you get on board with what we're doing. And I just don't understand that mindset. So we had a Cory Bush during the 4th of July weekend that said those atrocious, ridiculous, stupid things asking for reparations. Now we have Ben and Jerry's ice cream losing their $2 billion after the boycott in just a couple of days. And a near half percent jump or half percent drop in the parent company of Ben and Jerry's uh, because of their comments from the owners that made the comment saying that Fourth uh, of July is a time where we should return all of the lands of the of North America to the Indians. And again. We have a major lack of understanding of how history actually works here. So another big failure from another woke company trying to make woke statements and not realizing what the repercussions may be. So I've come to two conclusions here on what these could potentially be and why they're making these statements. Um, And there could be just a third of the fact that they are just very radical progressive owners and they don't care. And they're too big to fail now because they've made it so popular and so successful that they just don't care anymore and that they can now say what they want to. But I have two theories. Because that, I guess three theories now, because that could be one. That's a very simplified answer, which they always say, keep it simple, stupid. So maybe that is the most simplified answer is that they're just very woke owners and they don't care. They've made it in our society today. They're quote unquote, too big to fail. So it's not like we're going to stop buying their stuff enough for them to change their mentality. And they no longer serve the consumer. They're out there to consume, uh, uh, to serve themselves. And we just continue to buy into it because we've forgotten how to actually make true impactful change by not buying products and enough of the mass uh, population to stop buying the product as well. We don't do that very often anymore. It's very difficult for us to do so, although the example to prove that would be the Bud Light case where we've literally shut down two manufacturing plants of the product of Bud Light and their stocks continue to drop. And even though Modelo has now taken the number one beer in the nation that's still owned by a investor that is a fraction parent company of Bud Light at the same time, so I'm not sure how that really hurt them, Uh, Bud Light itself 
has damaged itself enough where I don't know that it will recover. And that should be a major example to all corporations that if you go down this road, then you're going to win stupid prizes if you do stupid things. But I think still there's something deeper going on here. And it goes back to the number one issue that we've been discussing and I am concerned about in recent times, which is the ESG movement forcing businesses to go down this road. The hiring of the quote-unquote equity division or department or manager within a company, which, by the way, Chick-fil-A did as well. So if you don't like that, you need to start boycotting Chick-fil-A too, uh, which is difficult for some, totally understand. But they did hire and create their own um, uh, equality and equity division within the Chick-fil-A company because apparently uh, selling chicken is a very diverse and equitable (laughs) type of thing uh, to try and hire one of those managers for. But the ESG movement is forcing businesses to go down this road, even if they don't want to, and therefore making public statements that are very woke, very liberal, and very ignorant on the actual issues is something is a way for them to get that check mark from the government, for them to continue to get government subsidies, for them to uh, continue to work with government, whether it's government contracts, government employees, government subsidies, or even just to hold a basic bank account, which is eventually how powerful this ESG movement will be through the federal government, both at a federal level and on a global level. And it's something that all businesses should be concerned about. So you have two choices as a business, go on board with it or potentially not even be allowed to hold a bank account and have to go underground with your operation. And that's kind of concerning. The second concept is that maybe because they've made it so big, They just don't understand their constituency any longer. They think that because they talk to their elite friends, their elite friends say that this is what people care about, this is what they want to do to try and get on that bandwagon of popularity, that they make these points thinking that it's going to be a big hit and it ended up not being a big hit, which again, I don't see because if you see other businesses making these decisions and they go down the drain with their stocks and people stop buying their product, then you would say, well, maybe that's not a popular opinion and maybe I should kind of refrain myself from saying something like this, because I don't know if you're aware, but there's a lot of a deeper history here regarding the revolution, regarding the Declaration of Independence, and regarding relations with the Native Americans. Now, I will be the first to say, as everybody that's taken an American History Class 101 will say, is that we have treated Native American tribes absolutely horrendous, absolutely horrendous, all the way back, yes, to the expansion and trying to fend off Native Americans by building forts in their land. Okay, I understand that. All the way back to Andrew Jackson, the seventh president, where he did his Indian Removal Act in 1830, probably one of the dumbest laws that we could have ever signed in this nation, one of the most horrible laws that we could have ever signed in this nation, uh, that ended up, for those that don't know, that ended up being the Trail of Tears, moving every Native American tribe from really east of the Mississippi into the state of Oklahoma and saying, here you go, here's your new land, buddy, have fun. That was horrible. What was it, 16, 20,000 people that died in that trail of tears moving those Indians west? That being said, and while no one has a perfect record, any nation has a perfect record in human history because of things that humans have done, why... The United States gets such the bad rep with a bunch of progressives that try to apologize for themselves. I don't understand. Because if they know anything about history, they also know that Native American tribes themselves were not the most friendly to each other. As there were near 150 tribes just east of 
the Mississippi River, really the eastern half of the country. There are more than 150 different types of tribes, all of them fighting amongst each other, all of them trying to take land from each other to some way, shape, or form. And even Native American tribes, when you go west of that, you had the Comanches, which every one of them were like, yeah, stay away from those guys that are in the Arizona, New Mexico area. They scalp a lot of people, and they're very angry. So even if white man, quote-unquote, didn't show up, on these lands. It's not like everything would have been peace, harmony, hunky-doriness here in the United States as well. So these comments that are made from the Ben and Jerry's owners or even from Cory Bush or any other progressive that says we got to get rid of Columbus Day because look how bad Columbus treated the Native Americans. Look how bad America treated the Native Americans. Yeah, we did. They also treated themselves poorly, just like every other culture on the face of the earth. Nothing is as clean, cut, and dry, and this simple is what they try to explain. And for people to simplify and water things down to such a stupid low IQ level bothers me. Because in order to understand what a culture or a group went through, you literally had to put yourselves in their shoes to feel and experience what they went through, but then also the other side as well. Well, Andrew Jackson was probably one of the most... um, um, violent and aggressive individuals against certain groups, especially Native Americans. He also did some things that were necessary for the survival of the United States, like fending off the British during the War of 1812 as a general down in New Orleans. If that didn't happen, we might still be sipping tea and be in the Brits during the second war against the British in the War of 1812. But we don't like to talk about those things, do we? This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Yes, indeed it is. Welcome into it. 24 minutes past the hour. Radio, TV, live streaming, podcasting. Hopefully you enjoyed that little bit of a history blurb for you all that useless knowledge we store throughout history i personally enjoyed that one but it makes sense it shows the lack of understanding lack of intelligence or just the lack of care when all these woke individuals make these ridiculous stupid remarks of we demand reparations when california is advocating for reparations for black individuals in the state of california when california was a free state if you're going to give reparations to anybody which i disagree with because i think that's a stupid idea but if you're going to do it to anybody Maybe in California, you should do that to like the Asian community who was brought over to build the railroads <laughs> uh, during the Western expansion. And they were essentially and they weren't enslaved. They were essentially enslaved when they came over here or like we just talked about the Native American tribes. You want to see what socialism looks like. Look at a reservation and see how all that's working out for individuals there. I mean, they make their money by, you know, casinos and doing other things. But look at the massive poverty rates. Look at the illness rates. Look at the addiction rates. Look at the crime rates. And while they're in their quote-unquote own sovereign nations, it's run by a socialist government giving them resources for them. And you can see how well that's working out. We need to understand history. My, my daughter, she's nine, so she's going into the fourth grade. She's starting to just get into history a little bit. And I remember when I was a child being able to sit for hours and just talk about history. And while we read the book, we went so much deeper into it to immerse yourself into that situation, to feel what those individuals were feeling, to to look at all the scenarios and put yourself in to think how complicated the situation was and how they came up with their decisions. 
To me, that fascinates me because we have to understand that in order to move forward. But these ridiculous comments by Democrats like Cory Bush on 4th of July saying, this is the time we would demand reparations. What? What are we talking about here? With Ben and Jerry as a business saying that 4th of July is the time that we return all the lands back to the Indians. What? Yes, we did horrible things. As I said, Andrew Jackson, uh, one of the most horrible, in my opinion, presidents out there with the Indian Removal Act of 1830 that led to the Trail of Tears. One of the most atrocious things that America should be ashamed for. But at the same time, Andrew Jackson also had a purpose. And if you want to talk about it from a divine level, he had a purpose as well by securing America during the War of 1812, before he became president, by defending the New Orleans port against the British. Our second round of battling against the Brits as they were trying to take back over when we were beginning to expand westward. He had his purpose, and then he kind of got power-hungry and greedy-hungry and ended up all the plantations. In fact, if you really want to get into history, too, and by the way, that I this is a refresher. As I told you on 4th of July, I was watching a documentary that was on Hulu, but it was from the History Channel of the men who built America, the frontiersmen. And they talked about Daniel Boone. They talked about Kit Carson. They talked about Davy Crockett. They talked about all these uh, frontiersmen throughout history. And this is kind of a refresher on all this information that for those that were worried about, quote unquote, slavery and how terrible of a nation we were as a slave nation, slavery was almost dead, not 20 to 30 years after the creation of this nation. And Andrew Jackson, again, being the jerk that he was, as he defended it and then became, before he became president, he ended up uh, making the new states in the South. And then he turned them from the good old backdoorsmen that were just living on the land to turning them into cotton plantations that reinvigorated the slave trade for the South that led to eventually the Civil War to free the slaves. Invigorated that. If he hadn't have done that, Slavery that the founding fathers said was an atrocious thing in the original documents of the Declaration of Independence even said it was an atrocious thing that was being pushed by the king because they were making a buttload of money off of it from uh, from them. They even said it was dying off 20 years after the Declaration. It would have been dead. So America, while we have our issues, these identity politics, the division in this nation, the hatred based on skin color or, or religion or different cultures or language, whatever, it's ridiculous. It makes my head hurt. We'll talk some more about that when we come back right around the corner. Matt Browning, he's on with us, author of the book The Hate Next Door, as we talk about his years of experience undercover with white supremacist groups and other hate groups. What are they like from the inside? We'll talk about that when we come back right around the corner. The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Reason meets radio. This is the Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. All right, so that whole conversation over the last half hour, totally not the direction we had planned to go on on this program today, but, but it's all right. All that useless history knowledge there, right? Learning about the past so we don't make the same mistakes in the future. Because unfortunately, now, as we don't learn about true history, the good and bad and all around and in our public education system, even higher education in many aspects, because we don't learn about the history, what happens, we tend to repeat it. And what are we seeing today? We're seeing almost a resegregation of society, both again because of skin color, but then also economically with these businesses that have decided to say, I stand for the quote unquote woke movement, the LGBTQ groups, whatever. 
or those that say, I oppose it. And now you're up with your money saying, what do I do and where do I spend and invest my money? Banks that say, we're going to go after Second Amendment and gun owners. And if you are, then by golly, we're going to shut down your bank account and take away your bank card. This ESG movement that's forcing businesses to go down that road or die off and taking over in the centralization of the banking institution. It goes into a deeper conversation at that time. But why are we seeing a reinvigoration of, quote-unquote, hate groups, of division, of the focus on identity politics? Why are we seeing it? Why are we going down that road? Let's uh, get into that one today. So I guess... What's trending today? Yeah, I guess our conversations leading up to this was the perfect intro and lead up into our next guest of the program, which I cannot wait to talk about, as uh, he is the author of the book, along with his wife, the author of the book, The Hate uh, the Hate Next Door, Undercover with the New Face of White Supremacy. Whoa, rise of hate groups and white supremacy. Excited to have on the program here, Matt Browning. Matt, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm good. How are you? I am living the dream. I appreciate you coming on the program. What a fascinating conversation. And with everything that we've done for the first part of the show leading up to this uh, was kind of ironic. But uh, the big question we have to start off with is after 25 years of being undercover, which I can't wait to hear some of these stories, are we seeing a rise in, quote unquote, hate groups? Obviously, there's a lot of hate groups out there, but specifically the ones that you guys have been part of with quote unquote, with white supremacy is there a rise of that in the nation right now? Well, and unfortunately, to, to have a rise, there has to be a fall first, and I don't think we've ever had a fall. No. So I think white supremacy continues, and, and really everything you were saying before, you nailed it, is the divisiveness, is the lack of communication. It's, it, you know, it's my opinion, it's the right opinion, I don't care what you have to say, and that's what's causing all this stuff. Yeah. Uh, just last year, the Biden administration, and I'll never forget the speech, came out. It was dark. They had the red lights behind him, almost like a Darth Vader speech. But he came out and made the comment that the MAGA group and the Donald Trump supporters, the Republicans, are nothing but domestic terrorists and all white supremacists. And white supremacy is the most dangerous domestic terrorist organization in American history. And he tried to link it to registered Republicans, essentially, but specifically MAGA supporters and Donald Trump supporters. Is that true? No. Um, you know what? I To say that all of Trump supporters are white supremacists, you can't <laughs> say that. I, I mean, it's just, I, I think the ideology, you have to understand the ideology of the person in the group that's going, that, that we're talking about. If, if, you know, white supremacy is a threat. It always has been a threat. Anytime a supremacist ideology is taught or learned, um, there is a threat. Yeah, that is true. Let's get into their ideology. How, because I've, I mean, I grew up, you know, I guess not necessarily around a whole lot of quote unquote different individuals, but it's never been in my psyche to say, I'm going to judge someone or look down upon someone because of a different culture or a different skin color. In fact, I go the other way and I'm like, you guys have so many cool things that I want to experience all of them. And I want to submerse myself into your culture and try to understand all of it because I find it absolutely fascinating. But uh, mentality wise, uh, how, how do they operate being undercover here? The thought process that goes into this to say that I'm superior because of my skin color or race. How does this work? Well, I think you just nailed it right there. You said, you know, when you, when you were raised, you wanted to understand and learn and, and know about other cultures and things like that. That's not what's happening in these organizations. A lot of these guys that are part of these white supremacist groups or, or far extreme groups 
whether they're left or right, they're being educated at home. They're being educated by closed-minded people who don't open up to other nationalities or ethnicities to see the good in everybody, and they're taught from a very young age to, to, to hate. And we talk about in the book, in The Hate Next Door, we talk about, you know, I'm, I'm at a meeting, and there's a, a two-, three-year-old boys that are laced and braced and ready to go to the island with all their skinhead friends of their fathers. You know, I've I've gone to rallies and events and concerts where these racist skinheads are pushing strollers with their infant children in it. These this is how this this whole ideology is created by what is what we as adults are teaching kids, whether it's in our homes or in schools or anywhere else. That's a pretty scary thought. I mean, the fact that they're so open and public about this. How did you, in in the family, how did you and your wife get into this and actually want to go undercover and try and understand this mindset? What started all this? Well, for me, I the, the first skinhead I ever met, I ever ran into as a police officer, he tried to kill me. So he stuck a gun in my chest, and we fought over the gun. He ended up going to jail, and... You know, three weeks later, he ended up shooting another police officer in the back. Wow. So that's kind of what motivated me and sparked me onto my career in working white supremacy. Now, if you'd like to know Tani's opinion, she's sitting right here and she can tell you. Yeah, I would love that. Hi, Andy. Hi, Tani. It's great to have you on as well. Thank you. Uh, uh, it's a fascinating story, and we were just saying thank you so much for you guys coming on here. But talk about your experience. What What started you to jump on board with all this as well? Well, I had a very, very passionate man who was, you know, once he saw something, he kind of went after it. And he didn't, you know, he didn't tell you that he also was stuck in the van in, in the gang, in the gang squad van while the, while his, uh, you know, all my partners, we were working Hispanic gangs. And as a white guy, I really can't, you know, I can't go undercover in Hispanic gangs. That's obvious. <laughs> so I wanted something and, and that I could do. And, and it was the white supremacist angle. So as I saw him being so passionate about it and the resources not really being there, his mind was gone and I wanted him with me. So I said to him one day, what if I could get some of this information, then could we do something I want to do? And he kind of laughed at me. And when I got the information, he was a little bit like, okay. I think he was reluctant about letting me me help him, but the information I got was pretty good. Yeah. What is it a dangerous line of work? Obviously, I mean, being a violent extremist identity politics driven kind of group, I mean, is it dangerous to be involved with these people? Well, you got to look at like this. a lot of these extreme organizations, whether they're, you know, based upon race or or militia or anything else, anything on the extremes, they're closed and secret societies. Anytime you shed light on any of these closed secret societies, there is that danger because they they're hiding for a reason. They don't want to be seen. And once you shed that light, yeah, they're going to come after you. I think I'm on number, as we were writing The Hate Next Door, I received my, I believe it was my ninth death threat. So there's always things going on, and, and the violence is real. Studies have been shown that one of the biggest threats against police officers is your extremists. Yeah. You know, there's been police officers killed by extremists on traffic stops, on ambushes, and that's why we wrote The Hate Next Door is because we want people to know that this threat is real and this violence is real. But you nailed it in your segment before. If we can just come together and talk and figure this out and take out the yelling and take out the, 
we're better than you and, and all this other garbage that's going on now, I think we can come up with solutions. Yeah, that is true. Well, it seems like to me you would think that in a world where we can be all interconnected, we have, you know, with the global web, the World Wide Web here, where we can communicate, we can study, we can look at other parts of the world and look at other cultures or whatever we want to do, that with all this connectivity and the ability to chat with anyone around the world, that that would uh, limit the amount of hate because of that lack of, because as I mentioned before, I mean, the lack of understanding, the ignorance breeds the fear, the fear breeds the hatred, the hatred breeds the violence because we just don't, those people bad over there, they're different. We don't like them. And you would think in a world today now excluding social media, because social media is a whole nother beast of this with all the uh, idiots yeah. over there. But you would think with a connected world that the lack of ignorance that would lead to the and lack of understanding and the fear and the hatred and the violence, that would start going away little by little, wouldn't it? Well, you would think so. But the problem we have with that is that ignorance attracts ignorance and hate attracts hate. So we have a guy in, in I mean, think of state, I'll say here in Arizona where I'm at, who can contact and, and communicate with a guy in Australia and they find the same people with the same ideologies and beliefs that they have. So now you have this link between the United States and Australia and the guy from Australia brings in the people he has in Europe, and now you have this whole world organization of people who just get together only to hate and only to talk about hate. They don't talk about solutions. They don't talk about, okay, how can we overcome this or how can we fix this? You know, they're talking, they're praising the New Zealand shooter or they're praising the, the El Paso shooter or they're praising these people that they seem are martyrs for the, for the cause and purpose of hate. Yeah. That is concerning. We're talking with Matt and Tony Browning, author of the book, The Hate Next Door, Undercover Within the New Face of White Supremacy. we got just about a minute before we have to take a hard break here. Can you guys take over one more segment with us? Oh, for sure. Uh, Fantastic. I love this conversation. I want to keep it going. The question I'm going to have when we come back to kind of set this up is, what can we do to start limiting this? And if they haven't gone away, then where are they? And are they starting to be easier to blend into society? Matt, you had mentioned that, you know, the, the skinhead and the shaving of it and the tattoos, you know, that's, uh, you know, a lot of people do that, but aren't white supremacists now? And are they hiding right in plain sight? And how do we begin to expose some of that and call them out for this absurd mentality? Because I think that's the only way this is going to go away is to force them into more of society where there's more conversations being had and they can't just hide within their own little cliques, which is pretty. Uh, and the initiation. I wanna, I'd want to. i love to hear your guys' story on the initiation to actually get into these secret societies and what they do. We'll do all that and more coming up last segment. So much to cram into such little time right here on the show as we broadcast all over the place, multiple radio stations across the nation right here. The Hate Next Door is the book. We'll do some more of that when we come back to wrap up your Friday on The Voice of Reason. Stay here. This is The Voice of Reason with Andy Hoosier. Fighting for freedom every day. The Voice of Reason. With Andy Hoosier. Holy cow, I know that we definitely like didn't schedule enough time. We need to do a full hour of this conversation because this is fascinating to me. Trying to get into the minds of, well, crazy people. Let's just put it that way. I don't understand it. So 
Uh, we need to understand where they're coming from to figure out how to change it. We're hanging out with Matt and Tony Browning, author of the books The Hate Next Door, Undercover Within the New Face of White Supremacy, spending 25 years undercover with white supremacy groups around uh, the place. And Matt and Tony, talk about, did you have to go through, you mentioned these are secret organizations and they kind of do their own secret things. Did you have to go through any initiations or screening or to, or to prove your worth in order to get into these groups? What What did they make you do to actually trust you? Well, that's that's the crazy thing about it. I was fortunate when I when I started my undercover career. You know, I was I I was still young in my career, but what I did is I came in and and gave them something they needed, and that was like a leadership or a mentor or or something. So I created this persona of why I hate and who I hate. And then with in, in presenting that, you know, they just gradually came around. I was able to, to be members and associate of so many different organizations just because I would listen to them and, and you know, know where they're coming from. And, and so as far as I go, no, I didn't have to go beat anybody down or go shed blood for the, for the purpose. But no. a lot of these skinhead crews, you know, you got to earn your laces. That is very interesting. Tony, did you have to do anything? You know what? I just with Matt as my protector there. I just had to kind of stand around, and and they they kind of came to me. So uh, it was just a different ball game with me, and they certainly told me things that they weren't telling Matt. And it was the softer place to land, I guess. Mm-hmm. I, a few of them would say, you know, even warriors need a soft place to land, and I guess I kind of filled that void. I what? think real quick. I think one thing we're missing. Tony and I didn't go into these into these situations as a couple. You know, we didn't go in as a married couple or or I would go, if we went to a show, I would go and get in the pit and, and, you know, hang out with all the the skins and haters while Tani would be back at the table and they would be back there talking to her and trying to buy her drinks and everything else. And then she'd just get the information from there. You know, and it sounds kind of crazy, but we, we had a dead 4-H lamb on our back porch. It really did come next door or on our back porch and there was, there was no other way for us to do this we you know i had to get involved at least as far as i was concerned yeah that is very interesting is there some type of hierarchy in there i mean know that the the ku klux klan for example has you know their their grand whatever their grand dragon i mean i they they tried to mimic yeah the grand wizard so i know they tried to mimic a lot of what like freemasons do with their grand lodges and that sort of thing which is a stupid way to do that but that's what they try is there some type of hierarchy in a lot of these other white supremacy groups or is it just guys getting together and chatting about this stuff no there's there's always a hierarchy if there's not a hierarchy then there's no organization there's always got to be somebody who who voices and somebody that leads and somebody that organizes and so within the organizations that I was a, a part of, you know, there was an older guy in town that would that would bring everybody together and rally everybody around him. And, and he was the guy, like in the movie American History X, the old guy that drove the Mercedes. Sure. That's what this guy was. And so there's got to be leadership. Yeah, that's very interesting. That's fascinating. Uh, on that same front, you mentioned getting into the pit. Like, where where was this meeting? Like, were you guys going to like rock shows? Because I'm a metalhead. I love jumping into a good old mosh pit. But I, I I'd hope I didn't like run into any white supremacists in there with me. Uh, you probably did. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you did. No, we went to we went to the different shows, different clubs where you know, you know, some hate bands would be playing or some other band punk shows where you know that that attracted the skinhead scene. Yeah. And then when the skins came in, they took over the pit, you know, and if you're Native American, you got your ass kicked. And if you're mm. anything else, you just got destroyed by these guys. It, it was crazy. With Matt, they either wanted to be his best friend 
or they wanted to, you know, kick his butt. So it would, and I kind of watched that all go down and as people would watch me and then come talk to me. Wow. That is fascinating. We've got just about 45 seconds here as we kind of wrap things up, but what nowadays are, are they still the quote unquote skinheads, the shaved heads, the tattoos everywhere to where it's evident or how do these individuals look now and do they blend into society a lot easier? You know, it's a lot more khaki and camels, which makes it very, very scary for our children. And that's my big take here is, you know, let's give our kids an identity. Let's give them a place where they can land and be belong. Give them that football, give them that lacrosse stick, you know, keep them busy so that they don't seek these kind of groups. Yeah, that's fascinating. It is the book, The Hate Next Door, Undercover with the New Face of White Supremacy. A fascinating book, a fascinating reading, must read to understand where this hate and division and identity politics is coming from so we can end this garbage because it drives me absolutely nuts. Matt and Tawny, we're out of time. I'd love to get you back on the program, but thank you so much for jumping on here with us. You betcha. Let's do it. Thank you, Andy. I love it. Appreciate it very much. Interesting, fascinating conversation. We'll do some more of that later on. Until then, it's time for you to enjoy a weekend. It's time for you to speak up, speak out, speak loud, speak proud, speak the truth, and always speak some reason. This is The Voice Reason. I'm Andy Hoosier. We'll see you on the radio.